0: Welcome to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. My name is Michael Livingston, and as always, I am joined by my beautiful co-host, Andrew Mullen, and our awesome podcast editor, Ben Ackley. I wasn't aware that I was beautiful. You are beautiful, (laughs) just like
1: today's episode topic.
0: Oh, (laughs) great. But before we get into that, Andrew.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. This is already too sappy for me. (laughs) me. Oh, I'm interested. Yes. Okay. But before we get into it, like Michael said, uh, we have a Twitter that you can follow us at. <laughs> what is the Twitter handle, Michael? It is
0: scheckofficial. And if you want to follow Andrew
1: and I on our personal Twitters, mine is Michael C. Liv. Mine is Andrew Mullen 4. I think I made a tweet today saying that volcanoes are just Earth's, Earth's pimples.
0: I actually, <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I liked it. And I did I, see that. I uh, responded to a tweet today. So we're really active. Honestly. We
1: are so active. You're meeting
2: the quota.
0: Yeah. We <laughs> the quota. Did we post last week's episode yet? I
1: don't think I did. Okay. Well, we need to together. Well, here's the thing I, I say I did, but you also have the password to the account as well. Yeah. So, yeah, like, you have right. just it, as The fault. onus is not always on me, dude. It's not.
0: It's not. I am at fault as well. But I think that's really all we had to break to y'all before we started today's episode um, we might
1: be taking a bre- break next week
0: yes that that is a thing uh ben and andrew will be out of town so we will not have an episode next week but we will possibly be coming back with a banger of an episode um that we'll address at the end of this one all right so boys boys love is in the air oh great it's are almost Day. You... are you day. about to give us the talk i am Sit down. I got right, the puppets. Bert. Get ready.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't aware that this was the topic of today's episode.
0: <laughs> so instead of doing top 10 love songs, top 10 breakup songs, all of that horse shit, we're putting a little <laughs> twist on it. Yeah. We're just going to do songs that we think represent love to us. It's so
2: cute, guys. This it is. is like, I'm already crying. And that's how you can tell it was my idea. <laughs> No well, what,
1: what do you have to say about this idea, Ben? But lo- what do you have to say about love, Ben?
2: <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about love uh, throughout this whole episode. Yeah. But what I have to say about this idea is I think, and I, I kind of brought this up at the end of our last episode, I think this episode is going to do a lot of good as far as showing the kind of people we all are. Because <laughs> uh, love, when you get right down to it, is really one of the few things that we have as humans that we can all kind of agree on yeah. and all kind of be connected by.
0: It's also the most popular topic of all time for music. Is yeah, I right? mean, I
1: mean, yeah, I, I was talking about this before we started, and um, it, it, we picked the most basic, generic topic we could have, especially lyrical topic, at least, we yeah. could have for this episode. I mean, in all of art, not just music, in all of art, love is prevalent. It is one of the most constant drive of creative forces. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Ben just said, it's a it's, I would argue it's the universal topic among Absolutely. anyone, among humanity, just to talk about. I mean, like, you talk about politics or, you know, different niches and mm-hmm. yeah, hobbies, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of things that makes us different. But one of the few things that does really join us all in some form of fashion um, is love. You're,
0: you're going to make me cry, dude. This That was so beautiful. I was trying to so thank you, but
1: uh, yeah, no, it is so trying to like narrow down. Like honestly, I'm not saying we're going to, no, mm-hmm. but um, we could we could probably reuse this format to the end of time. Oh, yeah. with how many love songs there are, because exp- I think music, especially that's Definitely. where love. Love is probably the most prevalent
0: topic oh, yeah. ever. Absolutely, um, and uh, like Ben said, it's going to get a read on all of our personalities. Um, some of us pick some cynical songs, that addressing different topics. Some of the lyrical themes are so abstract. It's like, how did they reach that conclusion of love, you know? But uh, I think yeah. it's going to be a fun one. And so.
1: surprisingly, the black hole heart that I have, I only picked one cynical song. So, oh, you know wow. What? You know what? I think I did good. Yeah. I, I, I kept coming with a bunch of ones that I could have really put into I'm that quota. But you know what? I, I went with one because I'm I impressed. really didn't think that too hard about my choices.
0: Well, since it's Ben's idea... Do you wanna start us off with the first song?
1: Sure. Yeah, I can do that. We should also come out that this is if you're listening to this when it comes out, it is the day before Valentine's Day. So yeah. maybe maybe, maybe S- want, spice this and... yeah. want to send
2: your significant
1: Well spice things <laughs> up, you set up digital e card, and then you could have one of these songs playing in the background. Yeah. yeah so there you go. some of them some of these songs are better choices for that than others, as you'll <laughs> come to learn.
2: Yeah. So what do you got for us, Ben? Um I'm gonna start with a song from an artist who I mentioned on our wrap-up episode that ended season three, um, and this artist who has been becoming more and more significant to me uh, as this year's gone on. Um, The song that I'm going to play is Love You So Bad by Ezra Furman. And this was the Ezra Furman song that I heard, and it just, like, blew me out of the water, basically. It gave me... There's a feeling that I can get that only a few songs can give me, and this is one of them. It's, It's really impossible to explain but um, it's kind of a portrait of love through showing like a, a, a relationship between young people I don't know I, I would take it as like a relationship between high schoolers is how it kind of feels to me mm-hmm. so I'm just going to play a little bit of that um, right now and then probably talk about it some more I would like to mention and we just talked about it as that was playing you didn't hear it but that song along with many other ezra Furman songs were used in the netflix series of two seasons now sex education which i don't think that's where i heard it from but like i heard it from a friend who heard it from there yeah um that song it's just it has like the orchestral touches it has the straight ahead rock band it has a great build and the drum sound is amazing but lyrically It it kind of shows the ups and downs of love, falling in love, and falling out of it, and the pain that can come from that, but also kind of in the energy of the song shows how that's worth it. You know,
0: Yeah, I remember Ezra Furman in, in, like you said, our last episode of season three, and I remember the music being very punchy and hardcore, and um, it was one of our favorite uh, picks of yours, Ben, at mm-hmm. the end of it, and mm-hmm. I, it, it's definitely such a talented musician. But uh, this this song threw me for a loop, because it's not what I remembered, necessarily, right. of what you showed us during that uh, episode. What, did, what were your reactions?
1: Um. Well, for, for me, I guess, uh, yeah, kind of the same way. This a little more, I guess, subdued, I guess is a word you can use. It mm-hmm. was, wasn't as punchy as you said. Um, I kind of like the idea of describing, you know, a love song, you know, through kind of like, like you said, kind of showing the path of a, a young couple's relationship and yeah. showing those ups and downs. It felt a little too cliche to me though at times. It's just like, okay, it's just kind of felt like a standard, you know, rebellious high school. Relationship or a right. couple of rebellious kids. I, know, can't of better, I can't think of a
0: better. I can't think of a better like voice to put behind that though than
1: Ezra. For v- oh yeah, really. I, I can definitely see that. And I think that's. Uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. It no. just felt like a li- you know, it just felt like the the kind of the way it told it. It's like yeah. oh, sm- sneaking into the bathroom to smoke six or whatever. That's like, <laughs> a little. Oh yeah, it's a little too on the nose. But no, I I, I mean it was fine. I mean it's not easy. it's not my favorite thing I've heard from Ezra, but you know I. I liked it. Um, the question to do have for you, though, Ben, is, and I think we should all kind of, you know, all answer, all three of us should answer this in some way for each mm-hmm. of our picks. But yeah. um, how does this song don't define, help define love to you, or what how does the song mean to you when it comes to love?
2: Mm. Well, yeah, it does. I, I think that I kind of take it and relate it to like relationships I had in high school, and sort of the. When you're in high school, you're still under your parents' roof. And even when you get a driver's license, it's like you're always coming back to the same place and you're never really out from under your parents. Mm -hmm. You never really have freedom. And I think that that, the strong connection that you get to another person through a relationship kind of gives you the first taste of freedom uh, that you have in a lot of Ezra Furman's music. Represents freedom to me, and I think that this one is is no different. It just sort of represents it through that lens of falling in love for the first time seriously.
0: Certainly, from there I think we can transition. Do you want to go next or me? Uh, how about you go next? Okay, that's fine because I have a uh, a song that. Everyone should know, but I wasn't introduced to it until, like, last year when some friends berated me for never having heard it before. This song represents a different kind of love, uh, love that one can feel towards one's parent, and in this case, uh, a father-son relationship. And uh, it's made grown men cry since the 70s. I'm talking about Cats in the Cradle. So, Ben, you can go ahead and play an excerpt So if you're like me, and ha- didn't have this song around when you were a child, um, which Andrew just told me, yeah, he's I, in a similar I actually, boat, I was, I was so surprised. I'm not alone.
1: <laughs> I was surprised that um, that you're like, you were like, this is a song that everyone should have heard, because I actually had, hadn't the song until you put it in our well, playlist. Well, I'm glad
0: I'm not the only one alone. That makes there, me yeah. feel so much better. But like... <laughs> All you should really know is that uh, the original version of this is written by American folk rock singer Harry Chapman and appeared as a single to his 1974 album uh, Verities in Balderdash, Um, although most attribute to the song to the Cat Stevens cover, even though he didn't write it himself. Um, what you should know about Chapin is that he's one of the best-selling musical artists in the U.S. All eleven of his albums charted in some way. He was inducted to the Grammy Music Hall of Fame, um, and before his death um, in 1981, he was actually a pretty influential philanthropist too, trying to end world hunger. Just all around great guy, from what I can read. But uh, "Cats in the Cradle" is without a doubt what he's remembered for, and. It's a song about a father who is constantly busy with work, doesn't have time to spend with his son, who just wants to grow up and be hardworking like his father. And as the boy grows up, the father realizes he's proud of his son and wants to spend more time with him. But now it's the father that gets turned away because his son has all these prior commitments. And at the end of the song, there's this realization uh, the father gets where it's like, wow, my boy really did grow up to be just like me, like no time to spend with his father, you know? And uh, this song kind of hits especially hard for me because throughout my teenage years, I didn't have my dad around the whole, a whole lot because he went to, back to nursing school to get a degree to help my family out, which I respect later on. But I, like the rest of us at this table, can trace our musical beginnings to our dad's. It's And and it happens to a lot of people. I mean, Metallica, Nirvana, Sonic Youth, Radiohead, Grateful Dead. They're all just a few examples of bands that my dad has shown me. And um, even today, he helps me appreciate new styles of music. So now that I just turned 20, I kind of understand that I'm getting older. And neither my dad or I will be here forever. So this song serves as my personal
2: reminder to always show my father some love and respect. So... Huh. Yeah. I'm shocked that neither of you had heard this. <laughs> I know. I mean, I've obviously heard it because this is like the epitome of 70s cheesy story songs. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I like Harry Chapin a lot. He has another really great song called Taxi that is also about love. Um, but, no, when I, when I was younger, this song I would always pull out whenever my dad, like when I wanted to get my way from my dad, <laughs> I, would just, wow. I would just start singing it. Yeah. Uh, when he okay. wouldn't hang out with me or wouldn't do so, <laughs> <laughs> <Something> funny. <laughs> That's funny, actually. It just became wow, kind okay. of an inside family joke, this song. So. Yeah. Well, like I said, this this hit for me at an
0: unusual time. It, it hit for me as I was just about to go to college, which I think was a good thing. And it made me interpret it in a different way. Whereas it's like, it's not as a father hating song, but a father loving song. Not to say you hated your dad, <laughs> but like, I wouldn't use this song in that way, you know? Right. Um, As far as musicality goes, too, I mean, the songwriting is pretty simplistic, verse, chorus, verse, you know, Um, sort of psychedelic effects on the guitars, rhythm's pretty solid. But in this song, like you were saying, Ben, it's mostly about the lyrics and the storytelling. I think this song, at least in particular, can rival something like Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan. Um, I can't speak for Chapin's Mm. entire
1: discography, but this song in particular. I don't know about that. Um, So I I, I could kind of... I kind of have a bit of an off reaction when I first heard this one. I mean, I—I mm-hmm. I mean, I like, although I will say you kind of explaining it me just now kind mm-hmm. of made me appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I mean, I—I I, I like this. Su- I think the subject matter was per- was was perfectly fine. I, yeah. I, I liked having think about that. Like you said, that father son relationship, that dynamic there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just interpreted a bit wrong because I just thought the ex. At first, I thought the execution of it was just kind of whatever it just felt really cheesy you know? yeah because i i because I, I think i kind of interpreted it a little bit differently when i first heard it i thought it was like oh um i i didn't i didn't i didn't really the part about the dad not really paying attention to his son at first that mm-hmm. that part didn't really you know um register register so yeah. i just thought it's just some standard like storytelling of like oh the son grows up now he's not paying attention he's yeah to, yeah you should all feel guilty or whatever which <laughs> again granted it's Call your parents seriously. Don't, yeah. Don't yeah. don't like it's the sound check PSA here. Don't let don't leave your. Family <laughs> I in was the just dark. I was just
0: gonna say if you have the privilege because some people yeah. don't, but if you have the privilege to have an amazing supportive father or yes. any sort of loved one, do yourself a favor, listen to the track and give them a call and, and tell them <laughs> tell them you love them. <laughs> I mean, don't. come on, don't be an asshole. Um,
1: but yeah, you know. But no. But when you said but when you said that that first part registered. No, I actually do like the lyrics a little bit more now because it's <laughs> kind of like. It is kind of that realization there, and it's like, wow, maybe I could have been a better dad, and you know, growing up, or sure. you know, maybe the son should have learned that. Hey, just because your dad was not always around or not always paying attention, you should not have. You should know the pain, and you shouldn't like just deal it back. But, right. Right. I like that but I, I just I just still part of the execution, I guess, in the whole songwriting was mm-hmm. kinda of weird. I did I didn't like like the hook and the melody. It just felt I don't know. It felt out
0: of place, didn't
1: it? It felt a little not only did it feel out of place, it just felt like really like that kind of standard seventies, like late sixties cheese. Yeah. Like even just with the hook. I then I, like that kinda of rubbed <laughs> me off Ben's the wrong it. way. It's it's so. weird
0: because like I kind of think of it as like the Soft, loud thing that like the grunge music does, but it's like it, it's turned 70s, and it's like, Whoa, this is this is not supposed yeah. to be here, but I mean, well, that's that's what the music was. So. I,
1: I, I, I mean, I guess it's just kind of like the, the chorus, just because kind of the way that chorus kind of the rhythm and the chorus kind of bounced. It just felt, I don't know, it just just kind of really bad. Like, 70s I can pop
2: understand music. where you're coming from, I sure. can too, but that really, really works for me, yeah, like, well, not just because I like the 70s cheese, but like, the he, he hangs at the end of a verse like. My boy was just like me, and then yeah, it builds it up, so and the drums go.
1: Yeah, that kind of shit Oh my god, I love movie. it. It moves me. I will say this though, Ben, you must be a huge fan of Debbie Boone. And with that, it's sold out of the way. <laughs> you, Should we go on to my? Your numbers,
2: opinion bro? is invalid because you were you were you were telling me the other day that Elvis Presley is just a few steps above Pat Boone, and we are not going to get into that argument. is.
0: That is like the most
2: bullshit I've ever heard.
0: Okay. Before we start an argument, this episode is about love, guys. I mean, <laughs> come I love, on, bring but, it in. But I love you anyway. <laughs> yeah, so. we all love each other here. Andrew, what's your
1: past? I have contempt right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I should kind of come full disclosure here. I am... when it come... Familiar love. Yes, I do share love, familial love, but when it comes to um more, you know, your standard idea of, you know, your romantic, romantic relationships and wah-wah. such, I should probably disclose, it. I'm probably the least experienced with that stuff oh, this entire table. That shouldn't matter for this I mean episode. it shouldn't, but you know, it's it, it just for just for like a lot of this stuff I can't speak from direct experience. A mm-hmm. lot of it's kind of more ideals and such, but um yeah, it, it's kind of why I might have a somewhat of a different approach than what you guys.
0: Well, I'm interested to hear it, yeah. especially but with this song.
1: With this, so we're gonna start off with a song you've everyone has probably heard. Um, maybe you haven't. I don't know. Um, it is from Paul McCartney, so probably. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm amazed. Now I should fully. Cu- I should also fully disclose here that I don't really like this song very much. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. Like maybe I'm amazed. Is it, it's it's kind of on the more boring kind of whatever side of Paul's. Solo stuff. You know, Let's ask our Paul McCartney expert over here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't like. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine that you don't like it. It's just. But I like his vocals on good. this. I will say this. Listen back to it. But mm. um, there is a very specific reason why I chose this one because okay. of the little experience I have. Uh, this this harkens back to a memory I had on my very first date. So. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> uh, dude, you're gonna make me. You're gonna make me you had like the puppy love. This is, this is how we all get
3: closer so, together. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well, um, well, can we hear this beautiful piece? Yes.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I I went on a date with this girl, um, and it was going up going pretty well. We were both having a good time, and uh, I don't know. We we sat down at like some like like I don't know some restaurant. I don't know, remember where. We mm-hmm. are just kind of sitting down. It's the middle of the day, and like over the loudspeakers. There was all the, the most cheesiest, most overdramatic love songs you could possibly imagine were playing over there. And uh, I can't remember most of them. The only one I can remember was Maybe I'm Amazed. And we were just clowning about it the whole time. And as we were just kind of like talking, really, we were starting to enjoy each other. Yeah. Like you had this, you had Maybe I'm Amazed playing over the speaker. And now, Ben, will you please play us uh, just a, a clip of Maybe I'm Amazed if people can like, kind of get that. Did you hear that?
2: I think they're playing. Maybe I'm amazed on the mall speaker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it didn't feel like that, unfortunately. Yeah, um that is pretty much still the only reason why I have any fondness for this song. I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's a standard Sappy love song. It's not really for me. It's what? not one of my favorite Paul songs. But again, that personal story I have with it, it I mean it, i don't I don't hate this song. So mm. um There's that no personal reason connection that's cute. Kind of, you know, raises it for me.
0: It harkens back to, you know, the early Beatles stuff, which you know, when you say what you will, it's not like you know, Sgt. Peppers or anything, but it's still worth appreciating for the pop Mm -hmm. music that it was. And then a song like this coming after that, you know, kind of tracing back to those, those themes and, but also having Paul evolve as a musician, I think, uh, makes this song really important, but obviously we're not Paul McCartney experts. So,
2: yeah. Um, this album comes from McCartney's first solo record, which came out in 1970 and was recorded. Uh, entirely by him i don't think there's a single instrument on this album that isn't played by him so everything you just heard was played by paul mccartney drums and all um and i i I think that it's pretty easy to like brush it off in the view of like this man was part of the beatles and they recorded some of the greatest most famous love songs of all time but i really just i i really like the simplicity of this lyric it reminds me a lot of like I don't know, it gives me kind of like a Motown ballad feel in a way. Yeah. And like the I, fl- the turning of the f- of the phrase, well, maybe well, I'm well, amazed. Paul was a
1: huge fan of Motown. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I remember when I took a field trip um, there in high school to the Motown studios, they talked about like how, yeah, they had this huge like piano where like like everyone, like you know, Stevie Wonder and all those yeah, you know, yeah. famous musicians had like played on. And Paul Barney like came in by one day and he's like, yeah, I'll restore this. Why not? And he put awesome. down like... A, like a large sum of money to okay. to restore it, so yeah, I can definitely see where that appreciation of Motown can come in here and I don't mind like you know the musical muti- motif of maybe you know maybe I'm amazed by whatever you know just whatever mm-hmm. it, it does it kind of get, it does kind of bury it really quickly into the ground, which I guess will kind of you know um kind of just puts me off of it a little bit, but again i I don't hate the song I mean right. it's just kind of again just one of the more like i guess blander points of his uh song for well. me.
2: I mean it is it's in the seventies at least after the seventies, <laughs> things go awry, but um, oh well, yeah uh yeah i I think that the story that goes with it is a really good reason to to bring it up on this, and I actually to keep it in the pattern of things having stories related to them and um sappy love ballads <laughs> i <I'd like, laughs> I'd like to move to my next song, which I'm sure oh, we're going to have fuck. great we're, conversation about. We're, we're getting great at these transitions. Um, uh. <laughs> uh, this, this is something from Frank Sinatra's 1971 album, uh, Watertown. Uh, this is written by Jake Holmes, who was the original songwriter for Dazed and Confused, although he was never credited. Um, and this is called I Would Be In Love Anyway.
3: Sometimes I think If I knew then What I know now I don't believe I'd ever change somehow Though you'll never be with me,
2: I have lots when of things to say about this song. No First of all, um, the production probably sounds kind of weird to you if you're used to hearing Frank Sinatra's older stuff, because this was when he was a making a concept album, trying to ch- uh, chase that trend, <laughs> but not really, because it was only 1970, um, and also there's guitar all over this album and also he recorded the vocals separately from the band this is the only time he ever did that and also this was his worst selling album and i think it's his best album (laughs) it wasn't on spotify for a really long time and uh we're lucky enough to have it there now i found it from a music blog a few years ago um this song is about the idea that you you Most of the time, you wouldn't really undo a relationship that you had. Mm -hmm. And if you went back in time and were able to change it, you probably wouldn't even be able to. Like, you wouldn't be able to not be in love. Right. Even knowing the way that everything was going to come crashing down, which I think is a really nice sentiment, almost. Because it kind of shows how relationships are valuable no matter what. And I, th- from this album, there's another song called Goodbye, She Quietly Said. That song was like the first song I listened to after I had my first big high school breakup. I, I was playing it on my sound system from my room, and it was like <laughs> max volume, <laughs> <laughs> blasting Frank Sinatra.
1: So, how rebellious.
0: As a
2: 17-year-old. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: well, I all right, let me tell you. Um, Andrew and I are going to both come from a standpoint— him and I both don't have a lot of love for Frank Sinatra. I, I, I would say
1: it, I hate Frank Sinatra. I
0: gave right? it a, I gave it my best shot at one point. Um, it just... It, that style of, of speak singing doesn't register with me. However, this song filled some sort of uh, niche for me. Uh, it, it was different than what I've heard before. And maybe it was that production mm-hmm. that really hit it for me. But... Um, I've never heard a song where Frank Sinatra's voice soars like this in those choruses. And it, and it did a lot for me and it made me appreciate his style of singing in a different way. Um, I love the instrumentation too. And I, I think if I was to approach Frank Sinatra again, I would come back to this album. I don't think I could go further in than that still. No. Um, but it, it does it for me. It it wasn't, it wasn't was what I was expecting by any means.
1: Um, Andrew has a different opinion. Yeah, I didn't like this. <laughs> right, it's Frank Sinatra. Like, um, yeah, uh, I think it was one of the guys from the Rock Solid podcast. Another another great music podcast. Yeah,
0: Besides ours, of course. Yes.
1: Uh, ours is clearly the best, of <laughs> yeah, course. Yeah, but if you have some time, if you go check out Rock Solid, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, And I know one of the guys from that podcast described Frank Sinatra as uh, asshole music, and I kind of agree with that. (laughs) Um, Just the way, first of all, he was an asshole outside. music; He was not a good human being. But also, I mean, his just, like you said, that style, like his, I guess, the speak singing or just kind of the way he would always, you know, kind of carry himself vocally. He always just came across as, I think you described it before we started talking, Michael, as kind of insincere. Mm. Um, I Mm -hmm. guess that's the word you can use. It's just kind of always... It's just overly cocky to me, just overly just, like, like I just, it's kind of like Bono, where I can just tell how <laughs> full of himself this guy is when he <laughs> sings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I really, and I, that's kind of what I got here. I will say this was a little better than what I've heard of, like, you know, like you said, the older stuff, you know, because it had those guitar elements there, too. Yeah. What did approach it a little bit differently? It, that being said, I mean, this is still Frank Sinatra, and I would never listen to this again. I do so, I, and I don't plan on to so, sorry I'm not fulfilling well, our Ben's interpretation of love, of love, may be different. I think yeah. I think that
2: um, within the con- so the context of the album Watertown is uh, an album about a, an older a man who's getting older and he lives in a small town in I think New York called Watertown. Um, and he's going through a divorce and his kids are grown up and his wife has left him. Um, or is leaving. And a lot of, like, there's at least one song done through correspondence back and forth. Um, And it's just a lot of reflection on his relationship and kind of how he feels about it ending and stuff like that. And I think that he could really sell that at this point. Not necessarily, I don't know what was going on in his personal life, but I think at least he he was kind of able to sell this because... He He was getting older. Right, he was getting older. It was 1970 now, like the last time he'd even approached a chart was probably the 60s i mean he'd probably get on like contemporary charts and stuff like that just whenever he released an album because he's frank sinatra but um he wasn't really he was just kind of coasting off into his senior years basically at this yeah. point and and it was kind of it really just works for me as a reflection of an old man or an older man kind of losing everything and a lot of it is the lyrics like it's coming from a folk singer's perspective, basically so i think that even if you don't like frank sinatra himself if you could go back and like reevaluate i know that these songs aren't really as appreciated as they should be but i know a few folk singers have covered these songs and they really really work on that level because it's just it's all super introspective the whole album um and yeah it's it's just as far as love goes it's a really really important thing i think to remember because especially if you're someone who's listening to this and you're going through a breakup recently mm-hmm. or uh, something like that it's it's really important to remember that every relationship you have is just preparing you and making you a better person absolutely in some way even if it really doesn't seem like it absolutely um it's go- it's a- at least what i believe is it's putting you in a better place for the next person no doubt yeah
0: that th- it makes me appreciate it in a different way and if i was to tackle frank sinatra again this would be the album i'd Probably yeah, I'd,
2: I'd say if you're the kind of person who doesn't like Frank Sinatra's borderline, this is the album to go to, and it, you can go piecemeal to everything else. But this is a piece; it's an album, cool. and it really, really works. So,
0: yeah. well, if you'll allow me, guys, some um, some time to explain this next one because it's it's definitely my deepest cut, mm-hmm. but it's easily by one of my favorite songwriters of all time, um, Phil Elverum is his okay. name. Under the solo alias Mount Erie. This song is called Voice and Headphones, which I interpret to represent a love and appreciation for things that can't be seen, touched, or smelled. As stupid as it sounds, I think this song is about an infatuation with music itself. And I'll try mm-hmm. to explain why in a bit, but first I'd like Ben to play a quick excerpt of Voice and Headphones.
3: It's not meant to be a meant to be a struggle, a pill. It's not meant to be a strife. It's not meant to be a struggle, a no.
0: So yeah. I could easily make an entire episode talking about this man's career and abilities as like an experimental lo-fi legend to me, but I'll stick to try to stick to a brief synopsis. So Elvram's career began as a pretty talented producer in Olympia, Washington music scene, which is home of K Records. You'll recognize Built to Spill, Modest Mouse and some early Beck coming off of that label. Um, and in his early years, he involved himself with some pretty stellar art rock projects like D Plus and um, Old Time Religion. But without a doubt, his most memorable project of all time was The Microphones, which has okay. – well, yeah, you've yeah. heard the name probably. It's since disbanded, but this lasts from late 90s to 2003 and began as an avant-garde recording project. A lot of the songs on the early Microphones records sound – are basically about Elverum's hobby of home recording on, on, like, the really seminal albums. The t- the titles of the songs are literally, like, wires and chords or, like, buzz or preamp. Like, it's basically just audio testing. But even on those early demos, you can hear this man's talent for creating warm melodies, crushing walls of sound, um, complex timings. Um, but it was his third album, Under the Microphones, alias, that kind of brought him to the spotlight. It's called The Glow Part Two, and you've probably heard that name before. It's a mixture of uh, indie folk, experimental, noise rock, um, and it's easily one of some of the most thoughtful and beautiful music from the early 2000s in my perspective. If you ask me, what's a album to give a music student, a musician, or just an intense fan of music, I would say The Glow Part Two is one of those albums. So, But that's not where voice and headphones came from. Um, that song is off of Elverham's second um, album under the alias Mount Erie, which uh, is the solo project he transitioned to after the microphones. So Mount Erie, in a lot of ways, takes the core concepts of what made the microphones so memorable and puts them in a stage of transition. Um, voice in Headphones is off Mount Erie's second record, like I said, called Lost Wisdom, which is a collaborative mini album um, that features folk singer Julia Dorian. Um, and that's pivotal in the overall sound of this album. Elverum's cold, wispy voice now has a warm, homey, reassuring counterpart. Um, mm-hmm. And all of this is in front of soft acoustic chords and some pretty, like, jagged, punchy electric riffs. But it's the story behind this song that is amazing to me so at the time of writing this album phil was away from family and friends uh presumably on tour imagine himself in his kitchen on a gloomy night and uh making dinner when he suddenly just breaks down due to loneliness and on his speaker from across the room he hears this song start to play Recognize that voice. That song was by Icelandic singer-songwriter Bjork. Uh, Phil heard this playing and got kind of this rush of reassurance and happiness, feelings of love and comfort, and you hear that chorus. It's not meant to be a strife. It's not meant to be a struggle uphill. Reappear in voice and headphones, and Dorian's voice sort of turns it into like this prayer. And I believe Phil is trying to illustrate the feeling a great song can give you In times of sorrow and loneliness he's trying to say you can make music that friend that you need in troubling times and you can love it the same way you do a significant other so that's what I took away from this song and that's why it's on my list but
2: what did you guys think I think that's really important uh, to bring up with this group because I'm sure like everyone says they love music but, but do they love music? Yeah. Right. Because yeah. The, it? It, it's there. There have been times when I've been fighting with friends or family has been away and I've been alone. And music, music is a constant in your life, essentially. Mm-hmm. Whatever songs you find that you really, really love, they will always be there to comfort you. And in that way, it is kind of like another friend.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Um, I, I quite like the song a lot, actually. Um, I, the, uh, you didn't mention kind of the, uh, I, I guess, I don't know if you call it choir, that was kind of like the company. Yeah, this, yeah. This, um, but, you know, like I, I, I was, thought it was a little weird at first with this kind of music, but then as it kind of went on, it's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. It did have this – it's funny you said kind of like he he kind of approaches some, some of his production styles, like the wall of sound, mm-hmm. um, which, um, I mean – I mean, obviously, when you hear that, you think Phil Spector, and you just think this constant, just barrage of like almost like yeah, it's organized defi- it's white not voice. on
0: this track by any means. I'm but, t- I, that I, was in I, reference to a different
1: album. Yeah, but but even even with that, even with that choir, I can kind of see how that could um, be the case. I can mm-hmm. kind of see like it's almost like more of a minimal minimalistic f- version of that. That makes any sense with really? that choir. I can kind hmm. I can kind of hear that. And I thought it was a really interesting way of approaching. Um, songwriting and just kind of produce, producing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's more or less about the music. But um, as far as the lyrics, I mean, yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from about, you know, just just talking about his deep appreciation for music. And I think, again, I think Ben just said everything there. I mean, music is a constant and it will always be there for you. But like, like I think with any relationship, whether it be with family, you know, a significant other, um, I mean, sometimes you – Times you get into uh, uh, arguments or like questionable whether you even like this band or artist or album anymore, and mm-hmm. you know, you've been debating yourself with Weezer for the past <laughs> right, year or right. so. Yeah, you know. But you know, sometimes, but a lot, a lot of times, music. sometimes music, you break up. You don't like an artist anymore for reasons, as one reason or another. Sometimes yeah. you, you come back after, um, not you know, really truly seeing the, the greatness in in this song or album after a long time. And then you come back, you go back and listen to it. and It's like, wow, holy crap, that's amazing. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it just takes like, we were actually talking about this last week, last week we were talking about True Stories in our mm-hmm. movie, set, movie episodes. Mm-hmm. When Ben said, sometimes you need to stop and just kind of look at things to appreciate it or kind of like go, wow, that's there. And, and um, I think that can be with relationships too sometimes, you know, when sometimes you have to, sometimes you just stop and you look at your significant other and you go, and you go like, wow. You know, he or she is really beautiful. You right, that's a thing, and I think music can be like that as well. So I guess we're kind of kind of relate music to love here. Mm-hmm. That's how I would view it.
0: For sure. Yeah. Sorry, sorry that. Sorry sense. that was kind of a somber pick, but that is basically uh, Phil's entire discography. He had a whole album that he wrote literally ten days after his wife died. It's Jesus. it's crushing. But we're not going to get into that. We're trying to feel happy and loved on this episode. But that just represents a certain type of love that everyone at this table feels because we're all music people. So with that being said, Andrew, you can go ahead with your next
1: one. All right. Yeah. So the next one, I'm also going to talk about probably my deepest cut here that I picked. Mm -hmm. It's from a band you probably don't know. They're called A Giant Dog. Um, I think they've been making – I don't know when they formed, but I know they've been, I think pretty much all the records have been made, released in the in the past. Have you uh, recommended decade. them before? I don't think I have a recommended A Giant Dog, which okay. surprises me, because I really do like them. I think I've talked so, about yeah. them with you before. Yeah, That's what yeah. I must be thinking about. Because I do really like this band. It's a side note. Go check out all the A Giant Dog stuff. I think they're really good. They are. Um, but the the one that I picked is a song called Photograph, and no, it's not a Nickelback <laughs> cover, <really. laughs> you, Damn it! I yeah. was gonna make a joke about that before I played. <laughs> or a Def Leppard cover either. Ugh. And it's the first. It, this is like, which uh, is great because it's the first time I heard a song called Photograph that was actually good. I had because, it loaded in my head. I was huh? ready. I was ready to make that joke, and you just
2: <laughs> undercut
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but no. Um, would you like to play um, Ben a, a clip of? Uh, Song Photograph, the, the good, the first good song called Photograph that I've heard. Yeah, um, if you could um, kind of make out some of those lyrics, there, you might kind of understand what the, where the song is coming from. Um, like I said earlier, there are a million, probably honestly, probably a billion songs about love. <laughs> yeah. So a lot. Of, so for me, a lot of a lot of songs about love or sex, they don't tend to stand out to me very much because, like. Like I mean, th- sometimes it might be nice lyrics, but at the end of the day, if it's like if it's just "Samba Love," it's something I've heard a million times. Right. You know, a lot of times, it doesn't. You have to do something really special to stand out for me. And this is one of the few songs where I can really, th- really think that lyrics about love have stood out to me. Uh, basically, the songs about you know, kind of you know, talking about passionate love making. We'll say we'll try to keep <laughs> it PG here, pee- yep, yep. or just a like really deep appreciation for you know, like just you know, your partner's emotions, feelings, and other dutch things that go a little dirtier than that <laughs> um but it, it comes at a it comes from a bizarrely sweet angle and view it does it. It, it talks about you know like wanting to grow old with your partner and as it says um i want to stare at you like a photograph i want to make you come if you can make me laugh Want you spin you upside down like a rodeo between the sheets um <laughs> i want to stare at your tits is a line here too like <laughs> it, 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 it's it's or, or kiss you while your teeth rots out you know it's yeah. it's, it's all I know that doesn't sound very pleasant, but when you sing and you hear about it, it's like, no, I want to grow old with you and I don't care how you look. I want to like, I will love you just as much. We'll be just as passionate then about it. So it's like when I heard that, it's like, wow, like (laughs) love, love lyrics don't really stand out to me too much, like I said, but that was just like. It's just such a sweet way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much.
0: Such, so, so sweet and so vulgar at the same time. I know. I absolutely loved it as well. I I heard this song and and I was kind of blown away initially with the vulgarity of the lyrics, but then, like like you did, I kind of s- sat back and thought about it. I'm like, this is probably as pure as love can really get. You know?
1: I mean, it, again, like again, I'm only 21, so I can't really relate to that idea at this right. point in time. But. Yeah, to me, I can see, like, yeah, this would be – if you're thinking a long-term relationship, Mm -hmm. especially one that's monogamous, isn't this truly the ideal?
2: It's really an interesting kind of mashup of two super common themes because you get the love song about, you know – when I'm 64, <laughs> shit like that, where it's just like, will, will we be together forever? And then you get the song about like, let's fuck. And this is, <laughs> yeah. and this is kind of to, to break that, that <laughs> solemn oath of keeping it PG. Um, this, this kind of marries those two things together in a really, really interesting way, where it shows sex as a, a part of a relationship, not as just an isolated thing. Yeah, because that's kind of the way. Like you have your sex song and you have your love song, and those two things don't really come together as much as they should. And I do really like this. It's got that great. I I, I like a giant dog a lot. It's they've got that really nice merge record sound. Um,
1: yeah, they are merge. I forgot about that.
2: Uh, yeah, so I, it's it's a great song and it's really unique. It is.
1: Wait, did you know about this band beforehand? Yeah. Oh, cool. No, wow. what do you think of the last album? I, I I think it's pretty good. I think it's all. Not as good as the other two, no. but we'll leave it there. But anyways, yeah. So I, yeah love this one. Yeah, but this is a great... I'm, I'm glad you both really like this song. Um, again, for everyone listening, definitely go check out uh, their other material. The record this one came off of uh, was really good as well. It's called Toy. And they all have, like, these really weird album covers, at least when they first started. Um, can take a look at them. Yeah, they're, they're always kind of these, like, eyeless like, faceless things with, like, giant, oh, like, canines. That it. is that is horrifying. <laughs> I <know. laughs> Jesus, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, if you go look up the album covers, you know what I mean. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, I don't think I have any re- anything else really to say about this. Um, if you want to kind of go around with our last round of picks here.
2: Yeah, sure. And I don't know if you guys did the same, but I definitely saved my sort of best for last. I did, too. And I don't know if it's my most cliche song or my least, um, but... I don't I don't know if I've properly talked about reckless Eric on this show before but he's definitely one of my favorite artists a stiff records signature he's like the, the second yeah the second tier of stiff ref, records basically um, this is from his first album It was produced by Nick Lowe. It's called Whole Wide World. You might recognize it because you might have heard will Farrell sing it before
3: Oh, maybe she's in the behind Tropical moonlit night Because nobody's told
2: about you I call the whole white I go the whole white I go the whole white whale I call the whole white whale I'm out I the whole white I call the whole white Also, Cage the Elephant covered that. Oh, um, hmm. They did that on their... Unpeeled. I think it was like a live thing. They covered it. Um check that out. Whole wide world was Reckless Eric's only actual hit, and hit is a kind of an overstatement. Um, Whole wide world is just a song about wanting to find your person. It's kind of from the view of you have a person that you're supposed to connect with, and that's your, that's soulmate, gonna, yeah, your soulmate. Yeah, your soulmate. That, that's going to be the person that you're you're with for the rest of your life. It's kind of and it's from that perspective, like, oh, I don't know where she is. I, I I want to trek the whole world just to find this one person that I'm supposed to stay with. And I I don't know if I necessarily buy into the soulmate idea. I don't really think it makes sense that there would only be one person you're ever supposed to be with. Mm-hmm. But I do buy that. I like the notion a lot of, of trying so hard to find someone that you will scour the whole world for them. And also I like the idea of... Uh, it's not a soulmate as much as just... The way you love every person is different, and that's kind of how I look at this. But this song is just... It's super simple. It's uh, two chords the whole time. It's yeah. its about as punk as you can get, unless you're just using one. Um, <laughs> and it, 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 it soars, and it dips, and the lyrics are really, really simple, yet really poignant. And it, it gives me... The feeling of love, it it always kind of helps me feel helpful when, you know, when you've been single for a while or, or something like that. When you're, when you're kind of feeling disillusioned, like uh, maybe I'll just stay single forever, you know, like, like maybe it's just something I'm not meant Hmm. to do. That this song kind of always pulls me out of a rut, I'd say.
0: Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it as well. This is the first instance of me hearing Reckless Eric. And after hearing it, um, I have a lot to explore. I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, that you said he was a stiff records signature and it surprises me that I've, I've never really I've heard the name before, but I've never heard a song. And um, I, I like the the lyrics of, of finding your soulmate and and being a, willing and able to travel around the world to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to ask, though, if this is your 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 best
2: for last, um, if you're comfortable sharing, does this have a story? Um. It doesn't really have a story. It's kind of a mainstay for mixtapes. It's a mainstay for mixtapes. It's a mainstay for like lots of times. uh, Well, I mean, lots of times makes it sound like it's happened a lot. But Mm -hmm. when I'm in a relationship, I I play music just recreationally. So I'll play music for my partner a lot or we'll play music together. It's a really, really easy song for that. This is, I think it's, this is the first song I learned on guitar as well. So it definitely has, Mm -hmm. it means a lot to me as a musician. And it means a lot to me in that I can kind of relate it to everything because it is so mm-hmm. bare bones. Um, but it doesn't really have a specific, there's not a specific person that
1: comes to mind, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I know you'd mentioned this song before Ben. It's the only way I actually know anything about reckless Eric. Um, but I, I quite like this one. Um, it has that really nice and, um, is is really raw, bare bones, very simplistic, which is, I think, appropriate for a, really, honestly, a very simple idea. in, in it's head. "I want to search the whole world for my quote unquote soulmate," and I don't really buy into the soulmate idea either. Mm-hmm. Just for um, <laughs> just for clarity's sake,s I am a, I do not believe in fate or anything like that. <laughs> Shocker, I know, but. Yeah, it, but it, but it's done in a very endearing way, you know. It's like it, it kind of touches a lot of ideas, like oh, like just kind of mixes like of you know soaring hope with bottom of the barrel like cynicism. You know, it really kind of meshes those two like like views of that topic together very well. Yeah. Um. The the one thing I kind of realized though while you were talking about it, Ben, though, um, I don't, th- I feel like the impact that these lyrics have now has kind of waned over over time because. Mm-hmm. Now with, you know, the uh, the uh, the creation of, like, you know, dating apps and websites yeah, yeah. and, you know, easier access to plane tickets and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, it's becoming more and more easy for you to actually, like, scour the world and actually yeah. find someone like that and, you know, it's like, you, you know, talking about, like, I'm going to search the whole world for sort of the perfect one, but, like, well, it's not that hard to do anymore. At least it's significantly easier than it would have been when the song was created. That's true.
2: true. And, and for as long as I've known this, I've never actually thought of it that way, like, when this came out in in, in the late seventies, that the whole idea of like going the whole world to try and find a person is far more impressive than it is now. Even though it is still pretty
1: impressive. Yeah, I mean plane tickets
2: are expensive. I'll give you that, but <laughs> yeah,
0: and um, that ruins everything. That's an interesting point. It's a whole conversation entirely to talk about how our perception of love changes with generations and with time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the main points of this song are going to stand the test of time. And, and for anyone who does believe in that soulmate concept,
2: this is the song for you essentially. Um, it's a really, I, I, cause I think you can really just buy into it no matter what you believe as far as, as love is concerned, because people get divorced and remarried and, and, and everyone kind of tries to find the right person. Um, but I, I just think, that this song can kind of work for anyone, no matter who you are, who you love, what kind of person you know. Yeah, I, I just think it's a really universal kind of song, so that's kind of why I saved it for last. Sure, yeah, and uh, my last song is uh, very personal
0: as well. Um, this is one I've gotten into very recently because I've had experiences with it very recently, but we've uh, we brought up the talking heads on this show plenty of times sucks that we lost our episode. But um so we've You're talked about it I know. But we've talked about it so many times before. I'm not going to give you the whole biography or anything like that. All you really need to know as this is this song is off of the 1983 album Speaking in Tongues and it was paired with uh songs like Burning Down the House, Pull Up the Roots, and of course I'm talking about uh This Must Be the Place, otherwise known as the Naive Melody. Uh this song recently became very personal to me, so before I break down my interpretation uh ben can give us all a little sample of a song you've heard plenty of times before So yeah, like Andrew mentioned, if you remember last week's episode, we kind of engaged the, uh, the, mo- the music from the movie True Stories, which is David Byrne's movie, The Front Man of Talking Heads. And uh, we never got a chance to really discuss lyrical themes of Talking Heads songs in general. But I think we can all agree that they're pretty open-ended. Um, some of them have more impactful messages than others. A song like Listening Win has more to unpack than a song like Making Flippy Floppy, you know. <laughs> but uh, the naive melody. Can be interpreted in a lot of ways, and some cynical people can bring it up as being a uh, dark message about the dangers of naivety and how it can be, e- you can be easily deceived or some shit. Okay, but in actuality, I perceive this as a love song—not just a love song, but the most romantic love song in the Talking Heads discography. Um, it's about feeling—it's about having a feeling of being home in a person, about spending time with a person and never wanting it to end. Um, I truly think when one is in a relationship, there's no way to predict how it will go, who the person will turn out to be, or how it can have an effect on your life. Most, of a, most impactful relationships arise seemingly out of nowhere. You never see them coming, and you never know what to expect. But um, then there's that moment where you've begun to really know that person and where everything starts to lock into place, and you forget all about your day-to-day troubles. You forget about who you are. Um, and where you are because you're completely invested in that person and you think to yourself. I don't know where I'm going But at this moment, this is where I'm supposed to be and like love this song can stagger you It can disorient you the melody itself is meandering unstable constantly involving like a relationship uh, When Byrne says home is where I want to be uh, I imagine him finding a home in a person or an idea um, pick me up and turn me around uh, it's asking for a person to provide something new, unexpected uh, to change a person's life. We all have preconceived notions about where we're going to go eventually, what we're going to do after college or where our life is headed. And um, but it only takes one person to completely flip that around. And um, that may be a scary thought at first, but Bern engages this topic with a lot of contentment. Um, he's kind of content with having his life changed by this person. And all these things Byrne is trying to illustrate is stuff I've felt very recently, and she knows who she is. She's listening to this right now. But this song taps into a really personal place for me. Uh, it's the song I used to describe what love really feels like. So,
2: I know. She's th- Lots she, I, Can you tell that was prepared for her? Well, yeah. yeah um, oh <laughs> I, I know exactly uh, where this is coming from. Um it, it... I think I've said it before I'm a gigantic music fan and music can make me feel all kinds of ways but there are very few songs that make me cry Mm -hmm. just by themselves it's usually in relation to something happening in my life or something like that right but in like sitting here reading the lyrics hearing you talk about it listening to it like I'm very close (laughs) because this this song has just some of the most like basically every two lines of this song you can take out and make like, one of the most beautiful couplets of romantic poetry of all time. Definitely. Uh, sing into My Mouth. Yeah. Like, uh, 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 <laughs> the idea of something like that, you're standing here beside me, I love the passing of time. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the uh, just the idea of, it, it's, it's sort of, it simplifies the world down to base level of, I'm going to find... The person who I will decide to tie myself to, and cling to them as hard as I can, until yeah. I have to let go. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's dumbfounding. I, I, Talking Heads, are close to my favorite band, but they aren't. David Byrne is close to one of my favorite singers, but he isn't. Mm-hmm. But he's very easily my favorite lyricist. He has such a a a, mm. a way of looking at the world that the, the you just have to. Listen to the song and then just go find the lyrics somewhere because it's yeah. it's. Certainly. Uh, I'm awestruck right now. Basically, it's it's very hard for me to form a sentence just wow. in thinking about this song.
1: Well, I guess this shows why I have the black hole of the heart here because <laughs> I mean, no, I. I now here's the thing. I I really like um I really like the lyrics to this I thought the lyrics were very nice um I can definitely see it is you're right it is an abstract form of love this can be interpreted I think a song can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably maybe it is be it could be about like how bad naivety is mm-hmm. and something that I obviously would to say too cuz I I agree, you know, I agree to that message in a lot of ways, but I can also definitely see that this is a very um really like meaningful love song. I can definitely see that. Um it's unfortunate though that these lyrics as great as they are mm-hmm. are attached to a really 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 boring song oh. musically. I, I I don't know. Like, I, sp- speaking in tongues is kind of one of the weaker Talking Heads records to me. Yeah. And I don't know. Like this, I, I completely when when he did, um, because we did a Talking Heads episode last semester. Right, right. I don't want to keep bringing it up, but I will say this: when I did do do my research, that's when I was first. first it was my first real exposure to the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot the song had even existed before wow. you put it in there. <sighs> Genuinely, like it was one of the most, most
0: successful singles, I think.
1: Yeah, it's just It's just for like. Now that you I'm gonna, the, the lyrics are definitely gonna stand out to me a lot more. Yeah. Now that you've gave that amazing dialogue, Michael, I will give you that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, she's just one of the really, especially from that album, one of the more forgettable tracks I heard from there. You know, like Girlfriend, Girlfriend is Better is definitely yeah. one that stands out to me a lot more than this one. Um, Pull Up the Roots is also, yeah. also one of my faves. Great song. So, yeah, I'm. I'm not trying to take away from from the meaning of love. Don't Michael. worry about it. <laughs> so no, it was because that was an absolutely fantastic um, interpretation. Interpretation, if it was. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess again, I'm just like, I don't know. I just I'm just kind of iffy on it because the music itself just does nothing for me. So.
0: Well, hey, show me up. What's you, what do you got for your last? So pick?
1: okay, well, so Ben mentioned David Byrne. Why David Byrne is one of his favorite front men and perhaps his favorite lyricist as well, and I can definitely attribute it uh, to the next person that I have on my, on my list. A person, a band I don't think we've really talked about on this show yet. We will. I, we we will. will have to do an episode on them oh, one yeah. day. I don't know how Before to. you graduate, we will. We will. Thank you, Michael. Because we're talking about one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, R.E.M. And, of course, fronted by the legendary Michael Stipe. And we're talking about probably one of the biggest singles of the entire 90s. Mm. For ben, ben would you love to Play a song everyone has heard at this point, but just for the sake of the episode, please play a clip of Losing My Religion.
3: Oh, life is bigger, it's bigger than you, and you are not me. The links that I will go to, the distance in.
1: remember at the start of the episode i said i only saved one of my picks for a cynical more downtrodden view of love and mm-hmm. this would be my pick for it um i know michael he had said he was kind of interested in hearing what i had to say about this one how yeah. it relates to love because yeah. he's always thought it was literally about no <laughs> seriously that's atheist. i <laughs>
0: interpret it. i've always interpreted this song at face value and, and, and which yeah. i don't normally do but i mean I yeah know
1: and you and, and and to be honest you're definitely not the only one I would have probably thought that when I first heard the song and yeah. the music video doesn't help with that idea at all either mm-hmm. but um you know because you obviously if you look like you even hear a line like that's me in the corner it can make sound like oh I'm alone solitude just right, like right. atheist <laughs> the only one who can see the right <laughs> way of life no oh my god it's, it's 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 that's not what the song's about in fact it hardly really has nothing to do with religion um Michael Sipa said that losing my religion is actually a, a, a southern term about like essentially losing one's cool losing ones, um, I think ones the uh, ones like um, niceness, I don't know, just okay, kind mm-hmm. of not be <laughs> just the kind of being a little bit of a mess, I yeah. suppose, and um, which really fits into what the idea of the song is. I mean, this I would argue is probably one of the most universal songs of all time because I think we can all sit here and talk, we can all have different interpretations of what love is and what, um. Like what what it might mean to us in different experiences. But I think more so probably than just like experiencing love itself in the good form. Mm -hmm. Experiencing when it's at its most cruel and at its most uh, sad. Because this song, it is, it it might, might disappoint you to know what it is about, Michael. Because it is simply about loving someone who doesn't love you back. Ouch. Which Certainly in high school, it's definitely something we've all experienced. <laughs> and, sure. yeah, and, and we can all... I'm sure we all have our embarrassing stories that we can share about oh, yeah. that and how we behaved. And we now have since grown up to realize, wow, we were kind of immature then. <laughs> yeah. But even then, I mean, like, people just find... I don't care. Like, if you are single, I don't care what age you are, if you are single in some way, you, you have experienced this feeling before. And maybe messy situations, even if you aren't single, you've probably experienced this in yeah. some way. This is... The theme of that is just something we've all experienced. And going back to Michael Sipis, the lyricist, he's one of my favorite of all time. I absolutely love how he just approaches things. And, the way, and combined with his ability as a frontman and as a vocalist, he really knows how to inflect on the right moments, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's just all the way he's talking about, like, um, you know, what was the line, um, you know, the lengths that I would go to, mm. any distance, any rise. I'm you know, just talking about just this desperate person trying to, uh, you know understanding like should I say something how much should I say like oh oh no I've said too much it's just kind of like this Uh kind of stream of consciousness coming out it's like how much am I really should I say to this person like how strong am I coming off of Mm. he almost kind of equates this to um every breath you take by the police Mm. just not quite a stalkerish right because that one's a clear, clear cut song about a stalker this one's a little very much about someone who's obsessively in love with someone but obviously there's less of a stalker angle to it it's more or less about
0: Right, they're conscious about how they can engage that person the right yes. way.
1: Yeah, which again, again, maybe uh, none of us should ever code this personal about it, but I'm sure to some extent there is. We've had some experiences like this. Yeah, even like right. it's just like, do I ask this person out if they're my friend? Do I and I have feelings for them? Do I say anything? Mm-hmm. Do I risk losing them as a friend? We've all had these kind of thoughts before. Yeah, which and Michael Sipe has said before, some of the best songs. That you can write are about ones that anyone can relate to and mm-hmm. say, Yeah, that's me. So that's a, that's
0: a really interesting take. I know I that is a big, total, I got chills when you said that because it's like a totally new perception of this song. I can't believe how fucking dumb
1: I was. <laughs> it's like, Oh, yeah, it's he's becoming an atheist. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> You know, do you have anything to say about this? Um,
2: yeah, I, I I never really had the the real definition of this song before. I, I always figured it was about atheism and it always seemed like that smug atheist <laughs> sort of thing. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, uh. like, I'm not really. Uh, but that's that's that is super universal. Um, and it, it, it translates interestingly, kind of how we talked about whole wide world. It translates interestingly to modern times because now it's. Even easier to make a fuck up. Oh yeah, where you can you can text the wrong thing, or you can double text, or you can <laughs> yeah. do a, any multitude of things yeah. that will make you seem too clingy or yeah. too eager, or mm-hmm. or
0: virtually anything. You have to be conscious of. Yeah, mm-hmm. so
2: it, it's it's really something that's kind of become even more relatable as time has gone on because it's even easier to make those mistakes, and it's even easier to overthink mm-hmm. and think that someone is going to notice something that you do when. Really, we're all just worrying about ourselves. The overthinking, yeah, that's yeah. that's that can be related
0: to anybody.
1: Yeah, and we I mean, didn't. Mean, I, I can relate to any form, facets. Should I go for this job? Should I go for this? Like, I mean, like it's, mm-hmm. again, it's a very. I would start arguing one of the most universal songs ever written. I really think it is, and and just to kind of touch away from the lyrics from a bit again, I. We will have to do something with R.E.M. because I love R.E.M. so much. But yeah. um, Peter Buck's use of mandolin on this record is yeah. absolutely, uh, absolutely phenomenal. So memorable. And yeah. it, it, that, that riff and everything. And Michael Sipe easily puts in prob- possibly one of the best vocal performances of all time. Not my personal favorite of his. Mm-hmm. Again, we could talk more about that when we... Do talk about R.E.M. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's no, there should be no discerning of his vocal performance on here. She's nothing but stellar. Um, I think I won a Grammy for the best vocal performance that year, that would make um, sense. which is probably what's one of the few times where I look at a Grammy. It's like, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, what else could would you have given it to? Like, mm-hmm. he just has such a great way of carrying him, carrying himself, and it really, I think, again, emotes what he's trying to get across with the song. Uh,
0: one more off-topic point, because. Um, R.E.M., a lot of people can agree. I agree. It's a threatening, threateningly big discography. If, kind of is. If you were to make a suggestion for someone to start off, and I guess I want to get a head start on this episode because it's something I want to do as well, where Where should someone start to like um, really get t- into typically R.E.M.? Typically,
1: you want to – like, any, any like for me, I've always said this. And when we do do R.E.M., we'll probably just focus on, like, the first 15 years of their career because mm. uh-huh. uh, I think it was after uh, Adventures in Hi-Fi. I want to say it was their drummer who got, like, brain cancer or something and he Yikes. had to step away. And, and after that, it's just kind of when people generally kind of regard as when they kind of just, like, they weren't, like, necessarily bad afterwards, just they never reached the heights they did. But going from the very first record Murmurs all the way back in, like, 83, mm-hmm. I want to say, up until New Adventures of Hi-Fi in 96, that roughly 10, you no know, 15 years of... Uh, records is nothing but spectacular. Like there, every record in there is great, yeah. so you can't really go wrong with anything from there. And it is it is kind of difficult to choose one from there, Michael, because um, typical like a lot of their because they do try to they, they kind of like transition through like trying different sounds mm-hmm. quite a bit throughout there. Um, the best one I could think to give everyone that would be just a generally good impression of what Arium is as a whole, which is as difficult as it is. I check out the record document. I was there. 5th record, was it? That sounds right. Sounds about right, too. Uh, 5th or 6th. But that's the one with uh, It's the End of the World, and As We Know It and I Feel Fine, that one. I think Trump used that once because he's an idiot. (laughs) Um, The One I Love is also on there, which is another song we could have put on this list as well if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of songs (laughs) to go put on this list it, it but um, yeah those are t- the two big hits from that record but I also just love all the deep cuts Zuma McCarthy uh, finest work song Odd Fellows Local it, it, just some absolutely stellar tracks so to answer that question to you Michael I'd recommend Document great thank you for that
0: <laughs> any final impressions you want to give Andrew before we move on um, give our final impressions love love guys love we, should, is we love. should we should have a group hug to end this episode Let, let's just bring it we'll just hold hands from across Michael, the table. you. Come here. Your, Come here! Bring it in. Bring I'm here. not bringing it. I bring break it in. Our arms. No, bring it no. in. No. You Andrew, try to huck me, it'll Just, just hurt give me you. your hand. Just give me your hand. All right. Here. They, I'll, that, I'll works. that works. That works. That works. Okay. I'll, uh, tips. Right. Yeah,
2: we'll touch tips for the uh, the episode.
0: <laughs> the sound check boys talk about love. I think it went successful. There we yeah. go. All right. <laughs> okay. Very happy.
1: Um. <sighs> <laughs> okay, and that ends it. I think <laughs> that ends the discussion of love, unless love has any relation to any of your picks for our recommendations this week
0: oh yes it is time for recommendations of course it has nothing to do with my pick because uh well I have to give a shout out to a band I absolutely love oh, of Christ. course but hey you you know it they're back the albums coming out March 13th I'm talking about dogleg they just uh, came out with the next single called Kawasaki backflip and uh if you've seen ever seen dog leg play uh Alex the frontman he'd always does this thing where he does a handstand on one hand while he's playing. It's absolutely awesome. But, uh, yeah, you need to check these guys out. I'm in, if you haven't already, you've heard me talk about them plenty of times, but like truly Michigan's finest, I think in terms of like loud, fast music. But, um, Mm -hmm i'm doing my best when i have some free time to hopefully get them here for some sort of segment um and be able to talk to them and and broadcast it to all of you and maybe even get them to play a show up here for all our cmu listeners but um that's in the works don't ask me about it it's something i'm putting on the back burner but it's on my mind um Mm -hmm. but if you haven't yet obviously go check out dogleg and you can hear the song right now
2: So I am also going to bring in a song by a band I love, and we're going to have to talk about going to one of this band's concerts uh, after the show, because there is one coming up relatively soon. Um, This is the band Rookie from Chicago. They're going to be opening for Twin Peaks in Grand Rapids Mm. sometime in April. Um, They have a few songs that they've been putting out. They're kind of a, I don't really know what to compare them to, they're kind of a 70s-esque they're, they're channeling that classic rock sound Kind of updating it for modern times But really, really stellar uh, Blues-based guitar playing um, Really, really good Catchy songwriting It's kind of like every song they're writing Is meant to be a, a radio single Circa, like, 1975 Never never really soft rock But just really, really good rock This one has been um, in the can for a little while They finally put it out uh, February 6th This is called Sunglasses
3: Your son glasses, she's a renegade.
2: Yeah, that's that's a really nice one. I like the riff, and it has some nice, uh, I don't know if it's lap steel or pedal steel guitar, which I know Michael's a huge mm-hmm. fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, do you want to favor us with your recommendation?
1: Yes, and my recommendation is actually to come out of left field for me, because typically, as you all know, I try to recommend something that would be a lot of things you wouldn't have heard of before. But I'm actually going to recommend something from an artist that um, is fairly well-known. I'm not going to say they're huge and that everyone knows about them. But mm-hmm. you at least know one song about them. Silver Sun Pickups. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned them on this uh, show before. But uh, definitely Silver have. Sun Pickups are one of my favorite bands. I definitely... Another artist I'd like to do, uh, uh, talk about for an episode before I graduate. But um, I understand that one would be a little further down the totem pole. So if it never does happen, I'd at least like to talk about this one release they have. It might be unofficial. I don't know what the story behind this is. Um, It's not on Spotify, right? It is not on Spotify. You're Mm -hmm. right. Um, It is actually an acoustic record. I know that sounds weird to say. Um, but this was in, released in between, uh, Carnivus and Swoon. So n- so nothing, so. What year would that s- be? Huh? What year would that be? It's, um, pff, it would have been like 2007, 2008, something okay. like that is when this was would, this would have come out. Um, it is simply called Acoustic Set is what I've generally seen it as. Um, if you want to find it, uh, you, you'll, it'll have like kind of like a gray cover. Um, on there you can find some of the clips on, uh. YouTube I'm trying actually trying to pull it up right now so to help Ben out here um, but I'm sure you can find it elsewhere on the internet uh, before you so you can see the full set list but um, some of my absolute favorite recordings and I'm not even kidding you so my absolute favorite recordings um, uh, has come from the silver Sun pickups has come from the f- from, sure. from this release um, it is simply just them I don't know just whether it be by themselves, if it's just an actual live set, I don't know. I don't hear anyone like any crowd noises, so I don't think it's a live set. I don't know what the deal with this is again. I don't know the story. It's just kind of appeared in my feed one day out of nowhere, and I just hmm. kind of like looked at looked at it up. But it's the most bare bones, raw, real recordings I've ever heard, like ever. Wow. It is like because there are points where they dip out of tune at times. <laughs> it is like that just I love raw that. and kind of like wow. And it really really brings out like because there's there's tends to be a lot of emotional weight a lot of times with the pickups music but Mm -hmm. really it just really it's really exemplified on this release and i don't think um it that that point is any any further made with their version of rusted wheel from from the album Carnivus that's on here and if ben if you'd like to play us a clip of that for us
3: window
1: yeah, if you heard from if you've ever listened to the pickups before, especially this song um from like the original studio version, um it is. Obviously, a very a very different take on it. And vocally, it's just much more painful and agonizing. And that's why I love it so much, though. I, I always kind of found the original version of that song to be a little on the bland side, but mm-hmm. I think it really, like, pops out with this one. And um, the rest of the record's just like this, too. Honestly, I'm going to say it. The big song of the note for um, Lazy Eye, I think the version on this record's just as good as the original. which nice. is just saying something. Huh. Um, which... Now, again, this is just an acoustic album full of, like, just acoustic versions that you've heard from their first EP and their first record. Mm. I understand if no one, anyone listens to us and is like, I don't say the big deal is, I understand it. But I guess what makes this really personal for me, if we're talking about this, you know, today with today's topic, mm-hmm. um, two moments where I've had a heartache in my life. This is definitely a record I've gone to for, for comfort, because it definitely matches, you know, a lot of the feelings that I, I felt at the time, and especially this, especially the song that Ben just played, so... um if you've never listened to the pickups, a first of all, go listen to the Silver Sun pickups. Go listen to Carnivus. Go listen to Swoon. It's just that they have an amazing catalog. But this is definitely an interesting, like, weird anomaly that that just left, that's floating around the internet. The internet that if you can grab like, grab a hold of. I definitely recommend you you do that because I think they just put out some stellar performances. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that.
0: Fantastic. I think that wraps it up, boys. Um little precursor. Like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we will not be having an episode next week because we'll, uh, a few of us will be out of, out of town, but, um, I think we're going to try to get that Beatles debate underway. Uh, don't quote us on that. We'll see how it works out. But since we have this two week span to sort of prepare, there's a good chance it might happen. Um, it'll be a stellar episode. It'll be different. It'll be new. Um, and there's going to be some awesome conversations just like we had today.
1: And uh, if it's not the Beatles debate, we might be talking about one of my favorite bands of all time. I won't say who it is. won't spoil it. But um, if, it's not, if it's not the Beatles, we definitely have a backup. Oh, yeah. So um, other than that, um, I don't think I have anything else to say.
0: And with that, good night, Detroit. Detroit.
2: Andrew's parents are worried. he just left for college, and they haven't heard from him in three weeks. Honey, where the fuck is Andrew? Why isn't he calling us? I don't know. I, 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 I'd go out of my way and call him, but I just want to give him some space since he just went off to college, and I don't really want to step on his toes or anything like that. Why isn't my boy calling right now? I miss him horribly. Why wasn't Andrew calling right now?
1: Man, I've been having such a great time playing the GTA, playing the NBA, (laughs) playing the 2K. I've been playing all these games, man. I've been going on dates with all the chicks and um, drinking all the beer. I don't need no parents in my life. I don't care if I call them today, tomorrow, ever again.
2: Unfortunately for Andrew, his parents both passed away in a deadly hunting accident the next day. Ah! (laughs) Call your parents, won't you? Thank you, don't end up like Andrew. This has been a soundcheck PSA. We now conclude our broadcasting day.